Seismic shifts have hit our society, leaving people unmoored from truth and unsettled in their faith. The question asked by David in Psalm 11:3 resonates among many today. When the righteous foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In our present cultural environment, it's imperative for followers of Christ to be convictional, courageous, and compassionate. We must know what we believe, why we believe it, and how we can communicate it to others. In short, we must be unshaken in our faith and unashamed of the gospel. Christianity is not merely a comforting story with some nice moral teachings taken to be true on blind faith. God has acted within history to demonstrate that He alone is the true God who is worthy of following. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street. And when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. We're continuing in our Unshaken and Unashamed series in a message called Being Salt and Light. Our preacher today is Pastor Kyle Parks, the discipleship pastor at Edgewood. Listen now to part two of this message. I was talking to my mom the other day. She was asking us how we were doing. And I said these words. I said, life has never been busier, but at the same time, life has never been better. And I kind of thought that was an odd way to say that. I didn't quite know what I was saying as I said it. But that was back in August when we were very busy. We had a lot going on. But part of that, I think, was true because... We don't want to be busy just for the sake of being busy, but to be productive, to bear fruit. That's what we want to be doing ultimately. We were made by God to be producers, not consumers. Yet in America, that's all we do. We must fight against that. Because being a consumer merely lends itself to selfishness and individualism, which is ruining people and it's making people more isolated. It's ruining families entirely. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We don't want to just do what everyone else is doing. Not just being busy for the sake of being busy. If we're going to be busy, let's make sure we're producing fruit. We're being productive. That is how God made us. But we live in the age of distraction. And we're constantly given all kinds of messages, distractions and addictions, so many messages and information. What do we do with it all? We don't know how to filter it all, and we become overwhelmed. One of the things I came across recently, and I'd love to show this with you today, is this Wisdom Pyramid by Brett McCracken. It's in a book, and also he's given some talks on this. But I think this is really helpful for us to see because of all the messages, all the, the, the so-called wisdom and knowledge out there today, How do you take things in and know what's good for you and what's not good for you? How do you filter things in and out? Well, if we think of this wisdom pyramid, like the food pyramid, there's obviously some things that are better than others for us, right? So we need a healthy diet of these these things. And so if you look at the base of this triangle, we have God's word, and that's where we need to get the bulk of our wisdom and knowledge. We can trust everything in it is good and right and true. On top of that is the church. We need to fellowship with other believers, but we're not here every single day, right? But we should be in God's word every single day. We may not be, but that's where we should be. And then on top of that, nature, creation. How, much of, how many of us actually spend time out in God's creation, his general revelation? 
So not only do we have that, we have God's word, a special revelation, but he's given us the general revelation so that people can know that there is a creator God. We need to spend time with him, just like in the video we saw earlier, and be alone with him like Jesus would with his father. On top of that, we have books. There's really good resources out there. And uh, culture, beauty, art, culture, music, those types of things. We want a good steady diet of that. But of course, with some of those things, you have to filter through. Some of that's good, some of that's bad. And then on the very top, we got internet and social media. Now, you can find some good things there, but for the most part, there's a lot of junk. We all know this to be true. Now, here's the thing about this wisdom pyramid. Hopefully, it's helpful for you. But I think a lot of us here today, but probably much of the world, has this completely flipped around. Spend most of our time on the internet, social media, getting our wisdom and knowledge and information. We probably spend a few minutes, if, if daily, in God's word. But we could scroll for five hours on the internet, social media, and the time just flies by, and we don't even recognize that. But keep that in mind as you think about wisdom and knowledge in the world and God's word, where we get all of that. Here, Another helpful way this might um, be beneficial for you is to think of things in terms of this, these three categories, receive, reject, redeem, receive, reject, redeem. So we have things like God's word and the church and things like worship music. Obviously, there is wisdom there and, and filtering some of those things. Not all churches are preaching the truth. Not all worship songs that come on the radio are the best, possibly. Uh, so we need to think through that as well. But then there are things in the reject category that ultimately we know are wrong and we should completely reject them. Specific sins named in the Bible, things that are ruining people's lives and families on the internet, like pornography, Think of things like mind-altering drugs that people are addicted to and it's ruining people's lives, things that we can easily put in the reject category. And then there's that redeem category. Things like art and culture, music and movies and sports and internet and social media. There's some good, there's some bad, but those things can be used for good if we know how to use them. There's some things uh, that could hurt us and they could mess up our relationship with God. So we just need to be wise about those things. So think of those things in those categories. Maybe the wisdom period, maybe the receive, reject, redeem categories. Now, speaking of social media, the internet, think of smartphones. We all need to, at one time or another, think through how we're using that and are we doing a good job of that. But I also want to talk to to parents in here about phones and for your kids. Here's one thing I would say to you to encourage you with. Do not give your kids unfettered access to phones today. There has to be some kind of limitations on there and time and and some of the things the restrictions that you need to put on there there is so much junk they will find it and if they don't find it it will find them pops up pop-ups and ads and all of that when we think we need to constantly be entertaining our kids giving them stuff to do and i get that i have four kids you know but i think it's also okay for our kids to be bored at times that helps them to be creative Recently, as our kids have been saying, I'm bored, I want something to do. Well, I'm going to start giving them chores to do. Maybe you should (laughs) do that. But it's so sad in this day and age, our attention spans, not just kids, but the average human today, our attention spans, they say, is now eight seconds because of all the mindless scrolling. Think of the videos on TikTok and Facebook that you can go through, and you might scroll past 10 before you finally find one that you want to look at, I might entertain you for a few seconds. That's pretty bad when they say the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. (laughs) But studies are showing today highly negative effects in general when it comes to your kids and phones, especially uh, kids and preteens. So we need to be very careful how we use that and for our family's health. But also our own health, our mental, physical, and spiritual 
health. We must take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. Not only our own families, but so that we can serve others. And some of us aren't doing this very well. We need to take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. Now, we don't want to go like where the culture is going when it's just completely the self-care society or the fitness culture and those things become gods and idols. We see a lot of people doing that today. But it is important to exercise and rest and eat right so that we can take care of ourselves and other people and the people we're around and serving. But be careful not to allow those things like body image to become an idol as well. When it comes to idols, John Tyson says it this way, disordered loves lead to disordered lives. Disordered loves lead to disordered lives. Now in our relationship with other people here, the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, think of community. We were made for this. We were made for relationship. And what we want to do now is go to Romans 12. If you want to turn there, we'll also have it on the screen. But we're going to spend the majority of the rest of our time in Romans 12, 9 through 21, this first section, we're going to look at 9 through 13 because I think it fits well with our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ here today. Now, each of these verses could be a point of application. We'll have some more application at the end, but each of these could serve well as a point of application. But starting in verse 9, it says this, Let love be genuine. Let it be real, sincere, authentic, not fake. It says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. You need to hate evil and love good. Love one another with brotherly affection. This comes from the Greek word phileo, that type of love. Think of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Most cultures do this better than ours. If you travel to another culture, if some of those places, some of those people come here, they'll often give gifts and honor of you for staying with you and that type of thing. We can learn from them. Do not be slothful in zeal. We need to enthusiastically pursue a cause. God has given each of us a mission to pursue. We must do that enthusiastically. Be fervent in spirit. Be passionate about God and your relationship with Him and your love and care for other people. Serve the Lord. Ask yourself, where do I serve him? I would say not only here in the church, but outside the church. Perhaps we need one place at least in the church to serve him, one place outside the church to serve him as well. But ask yourself, where am I serving him? Because that's what we're called to do. Rejoice in hope. Be, Be patient in tribulation. Those who speak for themselves, be constant in prayer. Pray without ceasing, as 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says. Contribute to the needs of the saints need to give to others expecting nothing in return. That completely goes against our culture. When we give something to someone, we expect something in return, but that's not the way of Jesus. And then seek to show hospitality. Share where you live with others. Maybe you're thinking, well, I, I can't do that because of the place I live or the circumstances I'm in. Well, show hospitality by taking someone out to eat or take them out to coffee. But we're called to show hospitality to people. But when I see these verses, I, it makes me think of the Greek word for Christian fellowship, which, which is koinonia. And it's something very unique about Christian fellowship that I believe other religions do not experience. One of the best books I believe written on hospitality is by uh, Rosaria Butterfield. The gospel comes with a house key. And in her story there, and then a, a previous book memoir that she wrote, she shares her story how 
She was a far left lesbian progressive um, um, teacher at a, at a university who, after writing some different papers against the Christian faith, a, a pastor and his wife wrote her and said, hey, we want to invite you into our, our home and get to, to get to know you a little bit better. And then maybe you can learn more about the Christian faith of that. And so over the next two years, she would come to their house almost weekly and learn from them and hear about the Christian faith. And they basically loved her into the kingdom. She eventually became a believer. Not only that, she ended up marrying a Presbyterian pastor and then adopted kids and became a homeschool mom. Like, how is that possible apart from Jesus completely changing someone's life? But taking care of people, looking out for them, showing hospitality, adopting Those are things that Christians do. That's what we're called to. That's what God's word says, that we care for orphans and widows. We care for the immigrant and the refugee. We open our homes to our neighbors and the nations. That's just what Christians do. That should be normal for us. In Luke 10, 25 through 37, the story of the Good Samaritan shows us that loving our neighbor is anyone we encounter, whether we like them or not. Now, all of that to say, how do we live out our faith in society? Let's look outward now, our relationship to the world, culture, society. Well, with advancements in technology, medicine, psychology, AI, you would think life would be getting better, easier for people. But no, it's not that way. Maybe modern conveniences are helping people make life a little easier in some ways, But think about some of these things. Today, a third of adults will deal with some form of anxiety. Mental health issues have skyrocketed among millennials and Gen Z. Suicide rates have increased by 30% over the last 15 years. The first funeral I ever conducted was by someone who uh, took their own life. Medical-assisted suicide in Canada is increasing at an exponential rate. Now, we obviously know a a huge part of the problem here is we are living in a more godless society, more hopeless society. Because not only we're we living in the age of distraction, we're living in the age of despair. But we as believers must show the world an alternative lifestyle. So studies today are showing what people actually want deep down. What actually makes people happy when these studies are done? Well, some of their findings have been this. People want to have family. They want to have a few close friendships. They want to have meaningful work, and they want to have some sort of religious or spiritual experience. But most people aren't pursuing that in the world today. They're pursuing money and fame and empty relationships and entertainment. But these things that people want deep down, what actually makes them happy, shows what Scripture says is actually true. So if we're going to live out our faith in society and show people a better way, we need to be willing to do some radical things. Now we're going to look at the rest of these verses from Romans 12. Let's look at 14 through 21. But let me say to you, this is a much harder list to do well. It says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Okay, remember the Beatitudes. Blessing looks different in scripture than it does in the world's eyes. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. We need to practice presence with people. We don't always have to say something. We can just be there for them. Live in harmony with one another. This is opposite of our culture today. 
that is shouting and there's anger and there's vitriol, we must show people that we can live in harmony, not only with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but with them as well. Do not be haughty. Do not think of yourselves better than other people or superior. Associate with the lowly. Spend time with people you wouldn't normally spend time with because of your Christian faith. Never be wise in your own sight. There's a vast difference between confidence and narcissism. Narcissism is wrapped up in self-centeredness and thinking that you have it all figured out and no one can help you and give you the answers that you need because you already know it all. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Again, how are we to live in peace and harmony with people today? Behold, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. We as human beings, we love a good revenge film. We, we like to watch those stories where someone gets what's coming to them. But on our individual level, that's not the way of Jesus. We're not called to do that. We leave that in God's hands. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. And lastly, do not, become over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that is not an easy list, but that is what we are called to as believers. And I love what this section in Scripture in Romans 12 is entitled, Marks of a True Christian. Marks of a True Christian. So sharing truth and love with people, that's just what Christians do. We engage the culture, we ask good questions, we help people to think about their beliefs and how they arrived at them. Jesus did this masterfully. He asked something like 300 questions in Scripture and the Gospels there in order to help people understand their beliefs, but pointing to him ultimately that he was the answer to all of their questions. But I would say today in our culture, in our world, in our society, people today have a very surface level view and understanding of Christianity When a lot of people think of Christianity, they think of things just like, well, the church is just full of hypocrites. There's moral failure from all the pastors and priests out there today. They think of things like right-wing politics or the past sins of the church throughout history. And some of those things are true of Christians and the Christian faith in the past. We must move past that and show people that there is a better way. Think of Christians, Christians' history throughout Uh, the world. There are books written about this today that you can learn, you can share with other people. Books like The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark or Dominion, How Christianity Remade the World by Tom Holland. There's another one we have out here called How Christianity Transformed the World by Sharon James. There are so many books written today about how Christianity has transformed the landscape of the world throughout history and has made it a much better place than it would be without it. We have some other books out there as well, A Practical Guide to Culture and Restoring All Things by John Stone Street. Might want to check some of those out that you can purchase at the cafe. But listen to a few of these things that Christianity has brought to the world. Lifelong monogamous marriages, elevation of women, growth in the midst of persecution throughout history, Christian love through epidemics and pandemics, the starting of hospitals and orphanages. The scientific revolution began with Christians wanting to explore the universe and learn and know more about God. The ending of slavery in Europe 
It's because of Christians. Humanitarian aid today, believers are often the first ones there in places of crisis. Also think of the Christian view of morality, human dignity, human rights, freedom, racial equality, and religious liberty are all rooted in Christianity. If it weren't for the Christian faith, where would we be in the world today? So if the Christian worldview is true, then it must be lived out to help create a more flourishing society. We think of all the wars and all the hate and the anger going on in our culture, but the other side of the world today, you think, well, is there any hope? And I would say to you, Jesus is our only hope. We must spread the good news to the ends of the earth so people can know him, and that is what will change the world. Now let's look at some application points for today. Let's read, study, and memorize scripture. Maybe a good place to start is sections of the Sermon on the Mount or Romans 12 that we just looked at. We need to know God's word in order to combat sin, in order to share that with others as we encounter on a daily basis. Use wisdom, number two, and discernment when it comes to engaging with the culture. We don't want to turn our brains off when we watch shows or listen to music. Everything that comes in must be filtered through a mind that is in Christ Jesus. We need to think in terms, perhaps, in the wisdom pyramid or receive, reject, redeem. What can I do with this thing? Is this helping me or is this hurting me? Number three, be intentional when it comes to the health of you and your family, the mental, physical, spiritual health, or the things that we are engaged with, the things that we're watching and doing. Is this helpful or is this hurtful? Number four, engage the culture by sharing truth and love and asking good questions. This is what we're called to, to go out to the world and to share the good news of the gospel, to love people into the kingdom. And number five, being salt and light in society begins with knowing and following Jesus. If you want to make a difference out there, it starts in here and it starts in your heart and knowing and following him. I love the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. It's a tragic but ever hopeful story of missionaries who went to work with the Horani Indians of Ecuador in the 1950s. And many of you know this story. Their family and four other families went there. And these five men, they went to share the good news of the gospel with the Indians who lived there in the jungles of Ecuador. And after making a few attempts and, and getting to know them and thinking things were going well, eventually the Indians turned on them and killed all five of the missionaries. And then at that point, the wives, they had to make a decision. We go home to our families and start over, which I wouldn't fault them for that. I don't think anyone would have, but they decided to stay. They decided to befriend some of the, the women of the tribe there, eventually getting closer to them and sharing the good news of the gospel. And then many, if not most, of the people in that tribe eventually became believers, even some of the ones that had murdered their husbands. And people would often ask Elizabeth Elliot, how did you do it? How did you stay there? Like, what's your secret? And she would say this, the will of God is never exactly what you expect it to be. It may seem to be much worse, but in the end, it's always better than you could ever imagine. The secret is Christ and me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Man, you think about that. Often we want to change our circumstances. We want to change our job, workplace, or we want to get a new family. Or we want to start over. And sometimes some of those things might need to change, right? But we're still having to live with ourselves, right? So the secret 
must be Christ and me, not me in a different set of circumstances. So if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, I would encourage you to reach out to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins and to lead your life and believe that he died for you and rose again and wants a relationship with you and that way you can be reconciled to God and you can know exactly what we're talking about here today. And then you will want to go out and share that with the world around you. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to listen to this message again, you can now download episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify by going to edgewoodbaptist.net. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.